Well, welcome everyone. It's good to be with you. And we're going to be talking about David, about King David. To get there, we're going to need to go back and start and talk about the people that he is going to rule. And we're going to try to answer the question, well, a couple of questions in the class. What does God want? Did he want a king? There's going to be a lot of room for discussion, and we're going to be pausing for discussion and allow everyone to, to have their opinion. The way the scriptures are written, they're written fairly cryptically, so there is room for different opinions. We can agree, we cannot agree, you may agree with me, you may not, it's okay. I think that God is honored when we take his words seriously enough to start asking questions. There are going to be places where we see that it appears God didn't want a king, and then it, there are other places it appeared that he did want a king. So we are going to be left to decide what do we think and what difference does it make? What, what is, in the ultimate scheme of things, what does God not only what did he want from the people in the Old Testament, what does he want from us today? And we're going to be looking for some parallels. I believe that the geography of Israel is important. We're going to be reading about a lot of places. It always tells us the places. The ark was at Shiloh. And it doesn't mean much to us, but I think it's important if we're going to understand how the people in the Bible felt, it's important to understand how far away everything was. What would a trip to Shiloh entail? What would it cost you to go to the temple, to the tabernacle at that point? So I've drawn sort of a schematic. I'm going to be looking for better maps, uh, but this is, this is something that I think allows the scriptures to really come alive to us. And that's what I hope to do in this class, to, to really feel what it was like to be a character in the Old Testament, and then what did God feel like watching this drama unfold? To understand David, we need to understand King Saul. They're set up in the scripture. David doesn't come first. Saul comes first. And it's set up actually as a contrast. It's a very stark contrast. So you can't really understand David until you understand Saul. We can't really understand Saul until we understand the tribe he came from. Israel at that point was very tribal. We sort of think of them as a united kingdom, but they were extremely tribal, and we're going to cover some of that today just to see how tribal they were. I want to start at the end of Judges. I want to start in Judges chapter 17 to get an idea of what life was like just before the people start asking for a king. So you're going to get a feeling of the drama that's unfolding in the last part of Judges. Some of these stories are very difficult to understand, to read. They're actually, if David was the high point, of Israel's history. The end of Judges is the low point. 
we're going to be going through the low point, and then we're going to get to the high point. So we're we're on a journey together. But let's start in in uh, in Judges chapter seventeen. I'm going to be reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version. There was a man of the hill country of Ephraim whose name was Micah. So hill country of Ephraim. I've drawn on the board. The E is Ephraim. Where those, those little red things are, that is the mountain range, the hill country that goes north and south through Israel. So just to the west of the Jordan River is going to be the hill country. As you get toward the Mediterranean Sea, it comes down into the plains. So hill country of Ephraim is going to be in this, in this region. You've noticed I've also put a, some little red dots. There's one with a J. That's Jerusalem. Whenever we go to Jerusalem, we go up to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is in the hill country. So the hill country of Ephraim is going to be important. There are some other things that have happened in the hill country of Ephraim that you would be expected to know. One of the great leaders of Israel, the one who brought them into the promised land, has died and he was buried in the hill country of Ephraim. That's where he lived. He was from the tribe of Ephraim. Does anyone know who that was? Joshua. Joshua has, has died. The book of Joshua has closed. We're now in the book of Judges. Joshua is buried in the hill country of Ephraim. Also, Eleazar died and was buried. Eleazar was the priest. The Levites and the priests did not get their own land. They didn't get a, an inheritance of land. What did God say? I am your inheritance. You are going to be dispersed throughout all the tribes. And so some of the Levites, many of them actually, were in the hill country of Ephraim. They were in Ephraim. Sort of the religious center, I would say, would have been in Ephraim. And that's where we're starting today. Also, Shiloh, which is where the tabernacle was located, is also going to be in Ephraim. That red dot is in Shiloh, in northern Ephraim. So, but let's continue the story. And if this story sounds a little bit strange or confusing to you, I know it certainly has every time I've read it, there's probably a purpose in that. So let's keep going. Man from the hill country of Ephraim, his name was Micah. He said to his mother, the 1,100 pieces of silver that were taken from you about which you uttered a curse, and you also spoke it in my ears. Behold, the silver is with me. I took it. And his mother said, Blessed be my son by the Lord. She uses the personal name of God, Yahweh. And he restored the 1,100 pieces of silver to his mother. And his mother said, I dedicate the silver to the Lord from my hand for my son to make a carved image and a metal image. 
Now, therefore, I restore it to you. So when he restored the money to his mother, his mother took 200 pieces of silver and gave it to the silversmith, and he made it into a carved image and a metal image. And it was in the house of Micah. And the man Micah had a shrine, basically the Hebrew shrine is house of gods. Micah had a house of gods. And he made an ephod. Ephod is like a breastplate that the priest would wear. So he made an ephod. And household gods, teraphim, if you remember the story when uh, Rachel and Leah left and Jacob uh, all left Laban, Rachel stole his household gods, his teraphim. So Micah has all of these things. And Micah ordained one of his sons who became a priest. And the word ordained means basically he filled his hand. He paid one of his sons to be a priest. Now, Micah is not, a, is not a Levite. But he thought it would be a good idea to pay one of his sons to be a priest. If you're starting to become confused here, the narrator intends that. Which, which way is up? Wait, wait, wait. She blessed him by the Lord. She gave him money to make an idol. He has a household shrine full of gods. And he paid his son to be a priest. Sounds you, like real life. Sounds like real life. What we're talking about here, there's, there's, a word, there's a word for this. It's called syncretism. Syncretism means you're mixing two very different things, trying to create one kind of smooth thing, acceptable thing. And here is the statement that illustrates the book of Judges, verse 6 of, Mike, of Judges 17. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And you might think, oh, that's probably not bad. But this is where we, this is how we've gotten here. Essentially, there is a copy of the law. They have come, they've given the law at Mount Sinai years ago. The children of Israel have come into the land of Israel, specifically told to obey the law of God. Nobody seems to know where it is or what it is. And so over time, and I hope that in your week, you may be interested to read the rest of the book of Judges just to get an idea of what happened. They started off so well. It continues. Now, there was a young man in Bethlehem in Judah of the family of Judah who was a Levite. Now the Levites enter the picture. We actually have an authentic Levite. And he sojourned there. And the man departed from the town of Bethlehem in Judah. Hmm. To sojourn where he could find a place. Basically, we've got a Levite without a job. For some reason, things in Bethlehem are not, he's not able to, to find work there. So he's going to leave. I've marked Bethlehem with a B on that map. It's in Judah. So Bethlehem, Bethlehem is south of Jerusalem. 
He's going to go up through Jerusalem and he's going to get to the hill country of Ephraim, where Micah, it appears, has some sort of an inn because you're going to see a lot of people come to stay with him. Now, we might also notice that 1,100 pieces of silver is actually quite a lot of money. So Micah is from a wealthy family. At least his mother has a lot of money. So we're going to be learning a little bit about Micah here. So Micah said to him, where do you come from? And he said to him, I am a Levite of Bethlehem in Judah, and I am going to sojourn where I might find a place. And Micah said to him, stay with me and be to me a father and a priest, and I will give you 10 pieces of silver a year, a suit of clothes and your living. Basically, food, lodging, a set of clothes. Micah's going to give him 10 pieces of silver per year. So we get an idea how much 1,100 pieces of silver was worth now. I want you to start learning from what we're reading. What life was like then? And the Levite went in. And the Levite was content to dwell with the man. And the young man became to him like one of his sons. And Micah ordained the Levite, the Hebrew says, he filled his hand, he paid him, and the young man became his priest and was in the house of Micah. Now Micah, then Micah said, Now I know that the Lord, Yahweh, Israel's God, will prosper me because I have a Levite as a priest. Now I know the Lord will prosper me because I have a Levite as a priest. That's the end of chapter 17. I want us to stop and, and pause for a moment now. And I want us to discuss this idea of syncretism, this idea of what does this look like in our culture? perhaps started off really well, but then other ideas have come in, and we've begun to accept those ideas as probably okay with God, because nobody seems to make much of a fuss about it. The, the interesting thing about this, and, and if you are listening carefully, Micah says, stay with me, you will be like a father to me. And then it says, and he became like one of Micah's sons. You see what the narrator is doing here? He's trying, to, there's so many contrasts that, it, well, which way is up? What, you want this young boy, because he's a Levite, sort of like a good luck charm, he's going to become your spiritual advisor. What is happening to these people? What, but you get a clue with that last statement. Now I know that the Lord will prosper me. We're asking a question this morning. What do the people want? What is the most important thing for these people? Prosperity. So I want to pause. Uh, just if you came with somebody, let's just chat a little bit at our tables. What, what does syncretism look like today? What is this syncretism is the combining of 
the sacred and the secular. Micah is, he, he, he has a household full of gods, and yet he keeps talking about his mother blesses him in the name of the Lord, the name of Yahweh, and he's now convinced that the God of Israel is going to bless him because he has a Levite along with all of these other household gods. So let's just take a few minutes. Let's just discuss among ourselves. I want to start thinking. This is this is hard stuff. This is very, it's very tough to work through, but it takes a bit if we can if we can discuss it. So let's just, I'm going to give you like five minutes just to discuss. <laughs> 